We wearing eager exhaustion. The black curtain yawns, the white flute of Morpheus plays, and with what relief the pageant sways forward. Dancers dreaming days, glassless 3D shapes embodied like models of the world for all other contact. Soft, unslumbering, feathered ash tree. Did one of its branches wink at me? <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to Soul Scene. On this week we're talking about haute couture and the Soul Scene runway show. Walkway. Walkway, as Eric has coined it. Yeah. So we are going to be talking at first a bit about the history of the runway, of high fashion, then leading you into, of course, the beautiful, sustainable, tactile version of this in the Soul Scene. Do you want to talk a bit about your poem? Yes. It's kind of inspired by the idea of going to a fashion show as this dreamlike or mystical kind of phantasmagoria that you sit down and watch before you. You kind of sit in a dark room and there's a parade of figures who are deliberately stylized to look kind of otherworldly. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, there's a pun in the poem about the 3Ds. It's like cinema, I think, but 3D. <laughs> and also I'm kind of taken by the idea of, or by the question of the model, because I guess we can talk, we'll talk about that a little bit on today's episode, but they're obviously individuals because they're humans, mm -hmm. they're people, but also they're presented as a troupe during these shows, like wearing the collection. And so they're all kind of subsumed to the vision of the designer to an extent. And that's kind of the line about, did one of these branches just wink at me? It's like branches of an ash tree, which mythologically always has a kind of magical element to it. And a winking is kind of like, there's obviously like a, I guess a flirtatious thing there because models are almost mm. always at least interesting looking, if that's not really just beautiful. But there's also this kind of like ideological or like subconscious recognition i think which is part of the reason we go to shows like that or that we're just into art in general mm. is that you're looking for a wink from the director or the painters or the composers subconscious to yours as yeah, in like yeah I know, like, I, I know this shape as well yeah it's like when people say it touched me they touch you yeah it's like they, they're showing me something that i know deep down but i haven't mm. seen in the physical world before beautiful sustainable tactile yeah <laughs> Also, sorry in advance if my voice is very quiet. I don't really have one. So, you don't have a voice. No. It was stolen. <laughs> so I wanted to start by talking about the current state of high fashion and not too much about runways because that's kind of implicit. This week while sick, I watched Miss Harris Goes to Paris, <laughs> which is not a good movie. I don't really recommend it. It was just kind of... B tier, as you would say. It's not Soul Scene Recommends? No, it's not Soul Scene Recommends. Okay. However, its premise was around a woman from England going to France to buy a Dior dress. However, the woman was very impoverished by the standards of the 50s. Still had a whole house to herself, you know, that sort of thing. But she went to Paris to buy a Dior dress because one of her clients had one in her wardrobe and she really loved it. And so she saved every penny bet on the dog races, all this stuff to make the money. And then when she went, she was whisked away on this beautiful Parisian two-week journey of one of the workers at Dior took her in to like live with him. And she stumbled by accident into a Dior fashion show and was allowed to watch 
because one of the preppy people there was like, oh, I really like you. You should come and watch with me. And the Dior fashion show that was exemplified in this movie was very different from Runways Today and probably a bit closer to the soul scene version of a fashion show because it's a group of people who want to go to buy the clothes, not to post on Instagram. I feel like that's why like a lot of people would probably be invited to fashion shows today. Yeah, I mean, I guess with the whole like institution of fame, I feel like fashion is so wrapped up in that. Yeah. And yeah, it probably is a little bit more about clout than anything else these days. And actually like getting the pieces. So fashion shows used to be a runway of people coming out wearing the collection. So there's like in this movie there were 90 pieces and then you would write down the one that you want to buy and then you'd order it. And what I really liked about this and it's kind of the jumping off point for the history of high fashion is when Miss Harris picked the dress she wanted, they were like, it's like, I'll take this one. But she had only planned to be in Paris for one day because she wanted to buy a dress. But back then, high fashion was made to order. Like okay. it was made for you and you would spend about two weeks doing fittings for it, which made it way more exclusive. Because who has the time to go to five fittings for a dress? only the very wealthy. And I found it really interesting and a very soul-seeing concept of you go to a runway or maybe you look through a catalog and you choose something, but you don't then just get it prime next day shipping sort of thing, Mm. prime same day. It takes a while because they have to make it. And they're not just doing that to make it exclusive. They're doing it so that it fits you really well. Yeah. Have you ever had anything made to measure? I haven't. Besides what I make myself, I suppose. Yeah. I guess that's a bit of a (laughs) cop-out. But I've looked at it before just on the internet, mm-hmm. but it's like that kind of destroys the the whole point of it. If you're yeah. sending in your measurements or like tracing your foot, <laughs> it's like, why do you want to trace your foot and then mail it? Like that's That that's feels an, like a, valid, a violation of privacy. Yeah. Who knows? They're going to sell this data for something. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was reading uh, To Die For, the book that I recommended a few weeks ago, the author, Lucy told a story about during Hurricane Katrina. Do you remember that hurricane? No. Around 2010. It was just a very big disaster in the United States. So during Hurricane Katrina, the U.S. government responded really poorly, like, immediately. There were just a ton of families stranded in their homes. So in an attempt to repair the damages, they issued $2,000 debit cards to people in like the lower economic class who had been impacted by Katrina to pay for food, temporary housing, all those sorts of things. However, during this time, the day that the debit cards were issued, two people, two, not just one, like separately went to Louis Vuitton and bought a bag worth $800. Right. And the author of To Die For used this as an example of how brand names and especially the high fashion ones, the luxury brands, are seen as sort of an investment. They're seen as something that's like untouchable by time almost. And I found that really interesting as a social construct. And I think that has fed into the unsustainability of the luxury industry because there's been obviously for years a big movement for sustainability within fashion very soul scene, love that. But people just assume that the luxury brands are not using slave labor, that they're using sustainable materials, because why else would it be $800? Mm -hmm. 
And I remember also uh, probably a few years ago now, there was a TikTok channel and it was like a wealthy woman buying her toddler Louis Vuitton bags and stuff and saying, well, I want to get her quality. Why would I get her low quality that's just going to be thrown out? And I just remember being so irritated by that because I was like, no one knows. Like these things, for the most part, are made in the same factories as the H&M because in the 60s and increasingly so over the last 80 years have been just made in the same places. They're not artisanal anymore because they wanted to make more money, right? They wanted to democratize, in air quotes, their brand. And a really interesting word that I saw tossed around within this is these luxury brands started selling merch, not products. And I feel like that's kind of a good example of how the whole fashion industry has gone and what we need to get back to. Because I think original luxury fashion is very solacine, made to measure, handmade by artisans, made to last, intended to be like, I buy this dress and I wear it to every event for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could also add even a third category into that kind of conveyor belt, which is, or that that timeline, which is starting with art, and then it went to products, and then it went to merch. Which kind of just seems like a pejorative term for product, but I feel like people know Mm -hmm. what we mean. Yeah, exactly, because it's like merch, you buy it at the concert, you wear it, Maybe once, maybe never. Yeah, and and also crucial, you wear it to be associated with Mm -hmm. the Beatles. Exactly. You know, you wear that bag to be associated with Louis Vuitton and all the entails. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's the other side of luxury fashion as it is today, which is buy this dress, wear it once, because then it goes out of fashion, right? Mm. So I think you see that a lot in runways with celebrity culture over the years. Obviously, it's improving. It seems that people will rewear red carpet looks and things but I think starting kind of top down wise that's how we got into that mindset of well my favorite influencer never wears the same outfit twice why would I and people genuinely throwing out clothes or donating them because they don't want to wear the same thing twice like that was such a cliche in the early 2000s I feel like of like oh my gosh you wore that on Monday like you can't be wearing that still yeah I don't know maybe this is a a good thing about the internet kind of flattening trends Mm -hmm. that it doesn't it, it's like people can rewear things because they actually don't go out of fashion, mm-hmm. whereas maybe things did. Yeah, or something for sure. Like that. Do you have any kind of Mrs. Harris esque designer or luxury grails that you aspire <laughs> to afford or wear? I definitely do, but they're all sustainable brands. Oh, that's no fun. Because I don't look at the luxury ones because I know that I probably would fall for them. Yeah. Because they're like still for them, like the actual high end Gucci's, like crazy designs. And my favorite high-end fashion brand is Dior because I love their vintage pieces. So I think probably my holy grail would be like a vintage Dior dress. And one more thing is within the fashion industry, it's normal for there to be a lot of waste as we talked about last week on the waste episode. But within luxury fashion, there's even more so like they're not going to mark their clothes down, right? Because marking it down devalues it in the eyes of the consumer. So often it will just be discarded, burnt, because they don't want to devalue their designs. Yeah. So that's not a very soul-seen thing. I really like, in the book I'm reading right now, The Ballad of a Songbird, the fourth, or I guess the prequel to the Hunger Games series. <laughs> yeah, you kind of introduced <laughs> that like it was going to be some 
I don't know, high level, like nonfiction. So in the, oh, no. in the book I'm reading right now, you know, the Hunger Games prequel. <laughs> so. Well, it's not the only book I'm reading, but it's one that I'm reading just for fun. Right. Alicia reads nine books at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The main character, Coriolanus. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? I've just been reading it as Cornelius. Um, that's <laughs> the mild inability to read kicking in. But he is, at the beginning of the book, very poor. And his parents used to be of status. And he's trying to maintain the illusion of status mm-hmm. in order to regain some of his own. And so in the opening scene, like it's not really spoilers, he there's like one shirt left in the wardrobe of his father's who had died in a war. And so obviously, because they used to be wealthy, it was a very high fashion piece. And so his sister, who's a designer, reworks it using potato starch, using making buttons out of the inside of cabinets, a bunch of stuff like this. And when the character goes out into the world wearing the shirt, his dad's old friend is like, oh, that's your dad's shirt. And he's like, oh, no, they're recognizing that it's just an old shirt. But in this world, they really valued reworking pieces, which was super interesting to me because anyone who knows the Hunger Games franchise knows like what the capital represents, which is like wealth and status and all that jazz fashion. But even in the capital, they value reworking pieces. And historically, that has been the case. The wealthy would rework their dresses like Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth I both infamously wore their wedding dresses a bunch of times because like why would you put it's kind of weird though 20,000 hours into this dress yeah and then just never it's also kind of weird i suppose wedding dresses i mean we had the episode on that yeah they're a very new institution so speaking of the capital the thing about this topic that i was most interested in was the idea of crazy shapes Mm. and avant-garde fashion because we kind of spoke quite a bit. I guess it's a spectrum in in the luxury world of ready to wear, like mm-hmm. the Dior dresses that you were talking about that models walk around in and people kind of ooh and ah and say, I want to buy one of those. And avant-garde, which is the models walk around in and people hide behind their seats because they're like, what is, why is this evil bird coming at me? <laughs> and I had this quote about avant-garde fashion, which I think is a a kind of evocative primer that says... Across every creative field, from the fine arts to music, there is invariably an avant-garde movement. Fashion is no different. The use of the term avant-garde is slightly misleading, though. Translated literally, avant-garde means ahead of the guard. But in the context of the arts, it doesn't imply being ahead of trends. In fact, to be considered avant-garde is to exist outside of the established norms and confines of a discipline. Avant-garde designers are not ahead of trends. They're immune to them. And I liked this quote. It's from an article on a website called Grailed. It looks at avant-garde not through a kind of retrospective lens, which is that, oh, people dress like this and we can trace it back to Mm. such and such fashion show, which looked wild at the time. It just looks at the fashion show, which which is wild at the time. And the article also went on to mention the significance of how runway collections especially the more avant-garde they are, should be considered less in terms of individual garments and much more in terms of Mm. the outfit as a whole or even the collection as as a whole, whole, right? Like the whole model after model, the succession of people, Mm. which I thought was neat. And I was like, is it kind of weird or or somehow unesthetic that average people like you and I don't do that? 
You know, like we mix and match clothes and it's like, we don't mix and match limbs. You know what I mean? Like our bodies always look the same. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't. I was just raising the question. I, think I don't think it's that weird. Conception. I feel like for women, maybe because they have dresses, mm-hmm. it's much more common that you'll hear them talking about, I bought a new outfit or mm-hmm. I love that outfit. For men, it's like, you can't say that kind of thing. Your pants are always neutral. It's always probably like your shirt. Men's pants. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's like for clothes, men just have half a body. Yeah, I think that's the case. Nice tie even. You just have yeah, one Yeah, so, so it's just a little sliver of your yeah. body. Tie. Oh, nice watch. It's just like <laughs> one sixteenth of your arm. Oh, poor men. Yeah, men have it hard. I was also disputing that quote that I read a little bit. Not really taking issue with it because I think it was just a, a concise way of putting it. But when mm-hmm. it says avant-garde designers are not ahead of trends, they're immune to them. I don't think that's always the case. I think it can also be that they somehow absorb everything that's happening and abstract it into yeah, absolutely. things that look immune to trends. Like for instance, streetwear, right? Hmm. Like that's just kind of a big trend kind of grassroots that people mm-hmm. wear these kind of things and then it makes it kind of into avant-garde fashion when they take a puffer jacket and make it like 10 times the size yeah that's the example i was thinking of too and that's what <laughs> I, that's what i meant like you're in the show and did one of those models just wink at me mm-hmm. it's like that's a you know what i mean like they're referencing the same unified conscious or, or kind of subconscious aesthetic that you yourself know well Absolutely. I think a lot of the modern avant-garde designers, they do that, they absorb everything and you can kind of see elements of trends in it. Or the other way around, they do in fact end up influencing trends. Yeah, I think it's both. I think it's a feedback. Yeah. And I was thinking about ways that we could kind of make this relationship between avant-garde, I guess art in general, but specifically fashion, just the shapes, the model that looks like a big worm Mm -hmm. uh, and the regular Joe's wardrobe how we can make this feedback or this relationship more so mm-hmm. And I had a few points. One is regarding opportunity. This is kind of a very practical point, but I think most people, you get your wedding, mm-hmm. you get maybe the five or six weddings that you go to, but you don't get that many opportunities in your whole life to just wear something dress up to dress up that's the point and yeah. i think that's another reason we love halloween so much it's true it's like you got weddings you got halloween aside from that <laughs> there's not that many options so i was thinking maybe you know how you'll see like amateur productions of shakespeare or accessible performances of dance in the park like maybe there could be community symposiums or runways or fashion shows or something like this yeah, that was my main point about the Solocene fashion show, okay. was that I think there should be local ones. There definitely used to be. I mean, even in the mall here in Montreal, and I remember in Halifax, there were runways just in the mall. Yeah. So it's like... But was it for the stores, though? It could have been for the right. stores, but stores also used to be more artisanal. That's like true. They used to be made there, and at least designed locally. And I just think there's probably plenty of people who, if given the chance, would choose the career of designer. Even even going to a ball. I love balls. Or a gala. Mm. Yeah, just having more like... More opportunities is what I'm saying. Yeah. And another point is 
maybe I've reinforced it, but it's the distinction between practical or utilitarian clothing and avant-garde or artistic clothing being such a rigid kind of bar. Mm. And it's this question of like, why can't you wear a wizard's hat while you're sweeping? Why not? Maybe that's a little bit too <laughs> zany, but like, why, for instance, why don't we, as I said, why don't we consider our own clothes by the outfit, not the garment? Or like, why don't we all have tailoring? That kind of thing. Mm. So there's this kind of constant reinforcement. They're like, there's the off the rack mall clothes and there's the made to measure crazy clothes mm. a little bit. But you can't do anything between, like you can't buy something off the rack and then tailor it to fit you. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Just like you should though. I mean, yeah, you can. I think, I think you it's should. A, it's a mental barrier. Or yeah, social... because it's also partially like, it feels like it doesn't deserve the extra money. It's like, yeah, exactly. I paid $60 for this. Why would I then go and pay 30 to tailor it? Mm. Um, it's actually funny because in, maybe Miss Harris goes to Paris is the soul scene recommends. Because <laughs> once she does get the dress, she wears it to like the local Rotary Club dance, which just happens every Friday. That's exactly what just, I just mentioned. Exactly. So it's like, there should be more of these. And I think another, th yeah, go watch the movie, I guess, because there's a lot of things in it now that I'm like, actually, Miss Harris is the Solacine icon of the week. Okay. Because she also tailored people's clothes. Yeah, you said she made Toad in the Hole. She did make Toad in the Hole. Toad in yeah. the Hole. Mm -hmm. Another point I was thinking about kind of fixing this feedback is about wealth, which is really an inescapable truth when you're talking about high fashion. I mean, the clues in the in the name high but maybe your h&ms and zara's which aim to kind of bring designer fashion at a lower price point at a lower price point maybe they also reinforce the kind of class divide a little bit because yeah. there's like they have the real stuff mm. you buy the plastic yeah definitely it was like the other day i had on a a jacket and there's a very famous like Chanel tweed. Like when I say that, anyone who's into fashion knows what I mean. And so the jacket I was wearing had a tweed pattern and someone like made fun of me because I was just wearing it to clean the yoga studio. And they were like, Chanel, wow. And I was like, it's just a tweed jacket, right. which used to be associated with poverty and like low yeah, and garments. But then now it's associated with Chanel. But then I felt kind of bad for someone thinking that because it was just, yeah thrifted well they sound i don't think they thought that i think they were making fun of you exactly yeah <laughs> and i feel like that's kind of how the zara's reinforce this of like you're never gonna actually feel proud wearing it even if it's a nice piece of clothing yeah. because you know you didn't but, pay that much but for I think, it i think there's a third way out and mm -hmm. also I don't, like i don't think people should feel bad for wearing h&m's or whatever i mean no only the sustainability impacts that's the only reason it's not that's because, why you should feel bad yeah that's why you should feel bad <laughs> but I, I just think there's yeah, there's other ways of doing things. And mm -hmm. one is not being so wedded to the name Chanel anyway. Mm -hmm. Or not being so, I guess, uh, reverent of mm -hmm. like that. But also you have terms like Patagucci. People say that about Patagonia, right? Mm -hmm. like some, it's such a big complex about designer versus, I guess, lower or more consumer-friendly brands. Mm -hmm. It's such a weird psychological and social thing and then my final point is about fun because when i was talking about like yeah fun in f-u-n in uh in air quotes but like when i said about wearing the wizard hat while sweeping 
people might be like, well, yeah, you know, fashion. People should just be more playful and fun. And I think that's part of it, but I don't think that's the entirety of it. Because I think most people, or a lot of people anyway, don't want to hmm. don't want to be playful or have fun. So it's how, very impractical sometimes. The, the way I would characterize this is as not fun, but emotion. So if you don't want to feel playful and funny, don't you know wear the wizard hat. But maybe you want to feel creative or maybe you want to feel strong or maybe you want to feel beautiful beautiful i don't know successful or romantic basically it's the idea that you will feel the way you dress yeah and i think that is very much represented in avant-garde to an to a completely abstract <laughs> yeah. you know, level like it's not like i'm gonna wear a nice suit and tie to feel uh, professional so I'm going like, to wear a triangle to feel exactly powerful. To feel like a tie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to dress as a tie. Yeah. Not wearing a tie as one. Mm-hmm. So that's something I think we can take into account. Yeah, I think so. I think fashion's gotten pretty darn boring. Even think? like, think about people used to wear brooches. I know you're not a big brooch boy. No, no. But it's just boy. like, people used to wear hats, brooches, scarves. Like these are all just like things. everyday Things. But that's why I said on a few episodes ago, I really love sunglasses for the last few years. Exactly. They're the one thing that's very kind of avant-garde. Mm-hmm. People, it's like, it's completely accepted you just wear these ridiculous looking mm-hmm. goggles. And I like that. I think we could go a little bit more in that direction. I think we could as well. Speaking of directions. The garment of the week is the gilet. I'm going to talk about it broadly at first and then I will feature... Our gilet, because if you didn't know, Solacine has a clothing line. What? I'm wearing it right now. You're not. But the gilet is a body warmer. It is French for cardigan or vest. And a gilet is a layer worn for warmth. I'll hand the gilet to you, Aaron. And I'll describe it for the audience. It looks like if Frodo Baggins (laughs) was a French woman. Yep. She would wear one of these. Okay. And if that doesn't make you want to buy it, then I don't know what will. I know what will. <laughs> Our sales sales peasants. <laughs> you know babies. Yeah. Those uh, small, smaller humans. Small ones, yeah. Yeah. So babies also really wear gilets to keep them warm. Because babies infamously, if they get cold, they get sick. Yeah, babies. And the thing with babies are just small humans. And we are big humans, so if we get cold, we get sick. So gilets keep you warm. They can be worn over top of things, underneath things. And the reason I went with the funky designs, because Aaron didn't design, explain the design of them. All of the gilets have a fun pattern on them. They are colorful. Is because originally gilets were very fancy, embroidered. They were a piece of clothing that people were proud of because it had a purpose, but they also made them beautiful. And only recently have vests turned boring and only for runners. Yeah, I was thinking about like high vis. Mm-hmm. Like That's the thing. Runners or people working in warehouses or babies. <laughs> yeah. So these are the gilets for the rest of us. Well said. Thank you. The gilet for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're really not good salespeople. I do like these though. They're nice. Thank you. It has kind of like crayon, crayonness to it. Mm-hmm. So if you want a gilet... Hit us up. This one isn't on the website yet, but if you want this one in particular, just email us. We'll send it to you. You have to pay us, though. <laughs> yeah, just email us. We'll send it to you <laughs> if you send us one. 
That's how buying things works. Also even in the soul scene. right? Yes, of course. All upcycled. One more thing I want to talk about before we get to the big fashion show. That's is that good runway music? I don't know what that was. Sorry, I'm pretty sick. Okay. I just didn't know what you were doing. Is High Street. Do you remember that place? Uh, yeah, we've been to a few. I thought High Street was just the one in London. <laughs> no, I didn't like. Put, that's why I just said we've been to it. Yeah, I didn't put two and two together that like High Street just means the High Street. Like originally, that just meant the most important street. Yeah. So every town had one. Mm. Main Street, I guess, is what you probably would call it now, but High Street is where all the shops were, which originally were just like little market carts. Because things were a bit more temporary and people would just come into town from their farms Mm. once every two weeks to sell their wares. But then the people got smarter, got more capitalist, and they bought stalls along High Street. I'm talking now specifically about the London one. And over time, those stalls, which were just selling meat, those types of like staples, turned into, oh... I can sell clothes and other more, less perishable things. Mm -hmm. However, until the war, like the First World War, they were still mainly made there. Like there were workshops too. But then when rationing kicked in during the Second World War, these people were kind of being sketchy, trying to like war profiteer and stuff. And then that's when all of the bigger, more expensive not more expensive, more wealthy stores came in. Your Selfridges, your M&S. I don't, these are all British brands. All of these guys came in because they had a lot of money, a lot of stores all over the UK. And they set up shop and haven't moved since. And then high streets have just become all of the most wealthy companies. There's not like going to be a Solacene store along there anytime soon. Someday. But not anytime soon because... The rent in one of these storefronts is probably like hundreds of thousands. Yeah, you have to sell like three gelées a month to yeah. pay for that. <laughs> so I just wanted to talk about high streets because I think they're kind of cool in their original form. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the craziest one that we went to that I remember is not in London, but in Rome. Yeah. I remember that one and just being in awe as we traversed the streets and just looked into... The windows yeah. and really got the sense that we wouldn't be allowed into one of those <laughs> because when you when you look at places like that and when you look at clothes like that it makes you feel like the guy from charlie brown with the cloud of dust around you just makes you feel like such a street urchin yeah it? you and i went into harrods and there's kind of like a harrods-esque place here in montreal like a it's like a department store like sears yes but only gucci okay. and valentino right. are being sold you definitely feel like you can't touch anything that they can kind of smell you <laughs> yeah i mean for me they probably can but. <laughs> yeah if you're not wearing chanel number five you're not allowed in but i think we should revive high streets in a cool sustainable way maybe with rotating booths it's kind of similar to the solacine mall which we designed a few weeks ago yeah but i like the street aspect because it's outside and it's still kind of fun so in terms of designing the solacine fashion show that's what I went for rather than your like Eurobeats kind of. I think Eurobeats are a bit more fashion show. Yeah, but not so seen fashion. True, show. true. So we were watching a video 
by one of your YouTube subscribees, <laughs> who last, which I shouted out last week, and she was critiquing all the Grammys, red carpet celebrity people. It yeah. was an old video mm-hmm. or VMAs or something it like that. It was the VMAs. Anyway, they weren't very good. Um, but, dare I say bad? Yeah, dare I say bad. But the one line that stuck out to me was she said, you know, it seems like none of the designers knew that they'd be in front of a black mm. backdrop and that the red carpet would be pink, I think it was. Yeah. And I was like, it's so funny because red carpets are this high-level example of tennis theory that you don't really consider because people only ever will talk about the outfits mm-hmm. and the person wearing them. But they never take into account, I'm sure the designers must, but when we look at these things, we never take into account how the lighting is affecting it, how the backdrop and mm. the floor is affecting it, and all that kind of thing. And so that was kind of my first jumping off point when designing the scene fashion show. And so the walkway, I'll just, I'll just describe the architecture of it for you. Okay. The walkway, because it's slow fashion, mm-hmm. is transparent. And it's in the shape of like a DNA helix rising Ooh, up. Okay. It's like a ramp or stairway, I guess, to the heavens. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what my poem was getting at also from the start. And so the models make this slow descent and reascent. Yeah, because it's a double helix. Double helix, yeah. Okay. I think this is thematic in that fashion, high fashion is aspirational. And also, it's in contrast to so much that I see today, which is aspiring to look run down. Mm. Also had this idea that the attendees could be standing, not sitting. And maybe even encouraged to move around a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And where they are, like on the ground level, is an orchard. Ooh. Trees. And maybe on the trees could be either fabric woven in real trees or patterns like fruit on the leaves okay that's really neat because one thing i was thinking of the sourcing fashion show was at the end you can buy kits to make it yourself because like i think they'll still be writing made stuff however i think the joy of fashion is personalization as we've said time and time again Mm. maybe on these trees there's the kits you can Maybe you see number 25 going down. You're like, I love that. Exactly. You go to the 25 tree That's what I'm talking and about. You take the, the kit. Okay, love it. Plum trees. Ash trees. Also, some other points. I don't think there should be any phones, no videos, no photos, no broadcasts. And Are they think, allowed to take notes? Yeah, whatever. But I think that um, in terms of making it more local, this is the way you do it. So it's not just like, Oh, look, there's the new season of Dior, mm-hmm. and we're going to broadcast it to the whole world, Yeah, and then everyone's going to look at this kind of thing. It's not like that. So this grows a kind of mythology around the show, and also means that the people, the attendees leave inspired each in their own way, mm. and obviously their memory is going to alter what they actually saw. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. So maybe Giuseppe goes to the Dior fashion show, right. but then comes back to Montreal, and he does a show, which is kind of inspired by that. Who is that? Just a designer. Okay. And then Felix, the designer, goes <laughs> to Giuseppe's show, and then it's like the ideas are still spread. Yeah. 
but much more organically. Yeah, when they go to Rasmus's show and they see Rasmus, the space boots. And yes. It's all one thing. <laughs> but I, I, I like this mythology because it's like this feeling of near religious importance that mm. I feel like fashion often gets mocked by people not in fashion. And I think part of that is because fashion-centric events, like a red carpet, like a runway, the clothes are often, at least in some part of its reputation, secondary to the celebrity, the model, the gossip, you know, all that mm. kind of other pop culture stuff. Yeah, for sure. And this one really should be a celebration of the fabrics, the clothes themselves, like this, this sacred geometries that we try and snip out and wear and the, the proportions and the colors and those kind of winks is what i'm talking about yeah because i was wondering at the soul scene fashion show is there a dress code because i feel like often when people go to fashion shows they dress as if they want to be plucked as a model but maybe there's just like you have to wear all white you have to be like neutral and let the clothes shine i don't know maybe oh, you it depends mean, you mean because they're not because the attendees are not the focus yeah i don't know you have to actually don a cloak. That's when it gets a little culty. Well, what if they're not supposed to wear any clothes? It's like Garden of Eden. The double helix, the DNA, the trees. And then uh. they pluck a pattern from the tree. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> to about. To get the knowledge, good <laughs> and evil. <laughs> also, I think music. Yeah. What kind of music would be there? Live. Live music. I think that's the most solacean point. I had the idea that maybe the double helix could also function as one of those floor pianos but i think it's a little <laughs> bit too on the nose instead i think there should be wind chimes okay or those synthy crazy instruments that like you wave your arms in front of them and they make a sound mm. so it's kind of played by the models as they walk. yeah i think that's kind of cool uh, i like that hmm. but basically the aim is akin to a museum especially a modern art museum you leave and you feel different. You view the world differently. You see more beauty in places. And it's that's in this way, I think it's kind of like the cinema because this is most people's reference point. Like most people mm -hmm. have been to a cinema, haven't been to a fashion show. But it doesn't have that cinematic immersion. You know, like this massive screen that you are focusing on entirely. And then mm -hmm. when you leave, you're kind of blinking away the daylight because you've spent two hours in another world it's not like that it's more like these forms have come into our world and then they depart yeah that's really neat then you go home and you look at your wardrobe or your sewing box <laughs> and you're like see it a little differently yeah i like this but, but not necessarily more critically no and you just appreciate things more a little bit i think that's nice if that's what art should be but art has become you see it you want to buy it well product and merch definitely has yeah what kind of clothes would they be wearing? I didn't I didn't want to get to that point because I felt like it would be stepping on your toes and also this is kind of a I don't know, it's a more general model. And also yeah, we like don't know gonna... like what will be big then. It's true. But I do think the clothes will be more conceptual. Yeah. Then yeah, more avant-garde than oh, this is a nice blazer. Yeah. Because I think that's when I like made that realization that modern art not modern, I mean contemporary art and high fashion as we know it in our lifetimes is meant to inspire. It's not meant to be like, you should wear a bee's nest on your head. It's like, but the idea... Like that would be cool though. <laughs> but it's like, get an idea from it. So design a hat that looks like this yeah. or maybe the color of honey is like Chia going helmet. to be in. Chia helmets. 
But I do think in this little scene, it will be a lot more avant-garde. But we'll have catalogs is one thing I was thinking of mm-hmm. to kind of replace the lower, replace like the H&M fashion shows that exist right now and the Zara <laughs> ones, which are just... Those just seem like a little bit pointless because they just be reflections of other fashion shows? Question exactly. They're just kind of like the the distillation of yeah. high fashion shows. And I think it still deserves your everyday clothes should be distillations of high fashion. Mm. And in the solo scene, everyone will see these images in the fashion shows, but then you're not going to wear the shirt made of metal. However, you're like, I kind of like the idea of a shiny shirt. And then you make a shirt as shiny. Should there be world-famous models and supermodels? I'm, should you know the names of any models? I'm fine with that. Because I think it'll be more of an art. I don't think it should be. Because I feel like no. I just think less people should be famous. That's, that's like, fair. I just think people should know fewer names that they never met. I also just think there's like zero need for them to be like of a certain height and measurement and walk gait. I think like you can kind of train them. Maybe they'd be dancers instead of models. I mean, I said that in my poem, the 3Ds. Yeah. But I don't think they need to be of like good walkers because that doesn't really impact how the clothes are are draped and displayed yeah well you think i could model walk i think you could walk competently really i think so i think a lot of people believe it or not could walk competently i feel like i would just start skipping that's fine okay it's fine in this whole scene so thanks for listening everybody as alicia mentioned you can buy a gilet or some tulip shorts or a dress, which I think never even got named through frock. the link, the frock, mm-hmm. through the link in the description. Also, please find us on YouTube and subscribe there. That would be really nice. Warms our hearts. Warms our hearts. Leave a comment. A like? No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Bye, That's everyone. too far.